Welcome to The Good Reason. In this podcast series, I want to explore different questions, like why people believe the things they do, and looking at the reasons behind accepting certain claims. Looking into topics such as religion, science, epistemology, and more. My name is Ben McLeod, and this is the first of what I hope will be many podcasts. I wanted to start with a brief history on myself, to help serve as a foundation of understanding and to help give context to future topics. It is also my hope that as you listen to this and future podcasts, that you'll become familiar with myself, but more importantly, that together we can develop a more honest and more insightful view of our world, its people, its cultures, religion, and politics. It is with this we can work towards securing a stronger future for all generations. Now please hear me when I say this. If you are a believer in a God, no matter your religion, I ask you to listen and understand that I don't mean to offend and that this is never my intention. But I do ask that you open your mind to all possibilities, even the possibility that you may be wrong. I was born into a Pentecostal Christian family and indoctrinated into religion from birth. My father is a minister and the head of a large church. My mother is also in ministry alongside my father and it is and always has been an organization that has been involved in incredible charity and work done around the world. Myself, younger brother and older sister grew up in a household that taught from the Christian Bible about Yahweh, his laws and that there was a plan and purpose in him for our lives. We grew up in and under a church, and in addition to this, attended a local Christian school. The result of this indoctrination became an integral part of my epistemology and the lens that I viewed life through, a filter that I would, as a result, pass all my experience, understanding, lessons, and thoughts through. From a young age, my reasoning and comprehensive skills were greatly limited by this. I would start with an undemonstrated beginning and circle back to it again. No matter the absurdity I discovered, I was taught that the answer is always God. No matter how immoral it sounds, it's okay because God said it. Instead of being taught how to think, I was taught what to think. It would be later in my life I would see the irrationality in this method, or rather I should say, my concerns would be proven correct, and it would be later that I would identify and remove this corruption or this confirmation bias from my epistemology. As a young adult, I was a leader in the church youth group and preached at smaller churches on occasion. I attended Bible college and was working hard to become a minister. I was also involved in the church at a service level. I was publicly engaging with strangers and directing them to the church. I was doing what I could to fulfill what Christians call the Great Commission, as written about in Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20. To recruit people into the fold, I was actively engaged with religion. We were taught things like, go for the kids, because if you can get the kids, you can get the parents, or go for the kids, because they're easy to convince. This is an objectively inappropriate parenting method, and is mirrored by the Bible's own immoral teachings as found in Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, 
and when he is old, he will not depart from it. No matter your translation of this verse, to be whether to train not to be naughty, or to train in the ways of God, this so-called biblical truth is evidently not true in both secular societies and religious ones. I would align myself quite well with Richard Dawkins when he speaks of the wickedness of labelling a child with the religion of the parents, things like Jewish child, Muslim child, or Christian child, and so on, as children are far too young to know what they believe in, nor are they even ready to make an educated decision for themselves. They simply have no understanding of it at all. This went on for years, well into my 20s, but if I'm honest, none of it ever sat well with me as far back as I can confidently recall. The Bible's claims seemed far-fetched. The character of God was evidently not love, as demonstrated by his barbarism. The lessons taught to me by my peers seemed illogical and full of assertion. I always felt that within the company I kept, no one would question matters of the Bible and its teachings. In fact, questioning seemed frowned upon. But all I wanted to do was question the apparent absurdities and contradictions. But when I did, I was told things like, Ben, you think too much. I remember uttering under my breath at such times, you don't think enough. Tried as I did, I could not bring myself to accept the religious teachings wholly. The problem was that the so-called relationship with God was one-sided. I don't know this God, and even in conversation with fellow Christians, it was evident that neither did they. I found dishonesty in the word spoken, things like, I know God is real, because no they don't, and that is something all but too easily discovered with a small amount of probing. I struggled back and forth for longer than I can remember. I would be going on in religion for a while, and then I would drop away. This was a repeating cycle. I met and spoke with people I respected within the church for help and answers, but would immediately identify problems with their responses, and could not logically accept their obviously flawed, irrational reasoning. My struggle with religion and the Christian God would continue for years, and during it I would still foolishly teach and share the Bible and God with others, in light of the fact that he was evidently not present in my own. You could say there was a war raging in my mind between fact and fiction. However, I have not yet done this justice, as this is a much more detailed topic to go into. But after many years, I realize that I don't, nor does anyone, have what should constitute sound reason for religious supernatural belief. But this is not what made me shed my religion, rather an overwhelming amount of evidence to the contrary of the claims. Worldview Your worldview is like a filter that we pass everything through. I can sit down and I can have a conversation with anybody about a superficial topic. This kind of conversation is a conversation I like to call a surface conversation. Things like, how are you? How have you been? How is work? And so on. These are conversations that are easy enough to have with anybody from any religion, culture, or nationality. But once an interaction goes deeper than this, we start to see the person's worldview come through. A good example of this can be found in the dating scene. Imagine for a moment a handsome, young, Pentecostal Christian man who is meeting a beautiful, young, atheist woman for an old-fashioned dinner date at a fancy restaurant. 
The first response might be to say, a Christian and an atheist, so what? That shouldn't matter. However, to a Christian, this response would in some cases be wrong, as the Bible speaks against such unions, as read in Corinthians 6 verses 14. Our dinner date will start with the usual conversations. Things like, how are you? How have you been? What do you do for work? And so on. But at some stage in the conversation, we'll have to move beyond surface and into deeper territory, whether it be on the first date, second, or third. Eventually, there will be nothing left of surface topics and a further evaluation of a person's core beliefs and worldview need to be understood in order for true compatibility. Timely and likely would be a conversation about the recent and current Australian bushfires, a horrific natural disaster that is all too common in Australia. Now, it's no secret that there are some among the faithful who believe that the fires are punishment sent by God to Australia for allowing homosexuality to gain any form of a foothold in society today. This, unfortunately, is not an imagined scenario, as I myself have seen many of the posts online on many different occasions. Now, our young Pentecostal man is one of such who has been posting his religious beliefs on social media, praising God for the justice of the fires. Can you imagine the conversation as a young woman appropriately expresses her horror and humanity for the affected, while the young man sits there and is faced with a choice? He can either lie about his position, remain quiet, or be forthcoming. Either way, we have a conflict. Whether it be internally now in this young man knowing he is in a partnership with a woman whom he does not align with, or externally a partnership between two people that are morally and ethically out of alignment. I'm not a betting man, but if I had to bet, my bet would be against the chances of a successful courtship. Now, regardless of my obvious leanings in the way I have narrated this imaginary scenario, you as a listener surely have an opinion about what side of this limited story you would sit but regardless of your worldview, your religion, or your culture, your positions and conclusions are based on objective or subjective claims, and can be and should be questioned, so that we can get as far away from falsehoods, but as close to objective truth as we possibly can. Now I know and agree that this scenario would represent the opinions of a minority within religious circles, and would still be considered an extreme view of God, his judgments, or his character. But how about a topic less extreme? How about homosexuality itself? A Christian who has a proper understanding of scripture will view homosexuality as both unnatural and immoral. Both of these claims made by the Bible in the New and Old Testament in places like Leviticus 18 and 20, and Romans 1 verses 26 to 27. And there are other scriptures that attest to these same positions and take issue against homosexuality within modern society, and that sadly this in many cases will manifest itself as intolerance. However, both claims that homosexuality is immoral and unnatural are unfounded, 
both claims are objectively wrong and entirely subjective in their layout. Both demonstrate faulty premise and therefore an untrustworthy conclusion. But regardless of where you sit on these issues, we now have a problem. We have two people on a dinner date together who are so fundamentally incompatible with each other that they are struggling to find out where to go from here. Now, these incompatibilities in light of blossoming love is to a point inconsequential to the rest of us. But what if we're not talking about two youths meeting at a restaurant to learn about each other and to discover whether or not they can make a go of it? What if we're talking about governments, presidents, leaders, politicians, councils, school boards, and the troubling list goes on? There we have a larger concern. There we have a need for objective truth more than ever.